to the podcast Who Is It For? And welcome to episode 16, where we today are going to talk about how you design cross-culturally and what that means and how it can impact you and your design and your clients if you don't understand the culture you're designing to and what those slight differences in different types of cultures can have an impact on your design and on the uh, basic understanding uh, of the design and UX and the work and the process you do. For that discussion and for that talk, I'm uh, happy to be joined by John, who is um, a Brazilian located and based in London, where he works as a UX designer and has worked many years as a um, uh, full-time freelance designer where he has worked with uh, various different clients from all over the world so he knows and has a lot of um, knowledge about how you design cross-culturally. Besides that I don't want to give any uh, more away. Um, I just want to say thank you for listening and as always if you enjoyed the podcast please rate it on Apple Podcast. Give it one to five stars that's totally up to you. But without further ado, let's have past John and Marcus take it away. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome back to this episode where we are going to talk about how to design, collaborate and interact across borders, cultures and in different countries. So in this episode, this is the big question we are trying to answer. Um, and to discuss this and maybe to answer this, I'm lucky to be joined by John, um, who is a Brazilian living in, living and working in London as a UX and product designer. So I'm super excited to talk about this topic with you because it's a topic, an area in UX I find um, very important and sometimes slightly overlooked when people design. Um, more often than not, it's not always considered uh, who your end user is um, or where all your users are located, which can make for a very messy um, use of a product, in my opinion. Um, so cultural norms and, and paradigms are often the cause of misuse or why a product or a design may fail. Um, so understanding the culture you're designing to and for is very important. So uh, if you want to succeed with your design. And this is something I know that you know a lot about uh, and ha have experience with um, because I found you through one of your articles you've written uh, on uh, exactly this topic. Um, um, so, but before we go any further, uh, Jung can, uh, or John, can, can you tell me a bit about what you do and who you are and how you got into like UX design? Hello, I'm John. Uh... John Vieira, that's my last name. My actual name is Jonatas, but people here kind of struggle to say Jonatas, so I shortened it to John <laughs> to oh, make it okay. easier. <laughs> uh, so basically, I started as a designer in 2006, uh, mostly as a generic like designer doing everything design-related. I also had some involvement because of as a hobby with code as well, so I naturally back then migrated to from graphic design to flash which kind of had both of those worlds you know design and coding and etc and then from there it started going transitioning to web design 
uh, eventually I found myself doing this thing called UX, which nobody knew what that meant, basically. <laughs> Neither <No>. did <laughs> I back then. <laughs> and, uh, and suddenly I was working remotely for a few companies abroad, uh, initially to the US. I did a few things for the Middle East as well, specifically for Saudi Arabia. Uh, and then I basically migrated my entire career uh, to working remotely until I moved to London in uh, 2017, beginning of 2017 now. And here I mostly work uh, with companies from London. Some clients are uh, foreign as well because London is very multicultural, as people know. Mm. Uh, but that's uh, in a nutshell, that, that's basically what it is. And um, yes, I guess uh, that's my, my, my intro for you. <laughs> Oh, okay. So maybe I can ask you to uh, the type of clients or the type of work you did um, when you did like uh, cross-cultural design work. What was that type? Was it mainly UX design or was it also some UI and, and, and graphical design? Well, the very first work I did remotely for, for a foreign company was a graphic design work. I, I did a few branding work slash graphic design for like stationary for this company Saudi Arabia mentioned. Then when I started working for this company in the US, we mainly started as some sort of what we called web design back then, which involved kind of uh, very small touches of what we do in UX today, but very like uh, poor, if I can call it like that, it was more focused on like what, how web design was done by back then you know around 2010 mm. and then uh there was also a few a bit of code involved as well like front end and a few of those kind of more on the ui side of things uh in terms of code but after a while especially when i joined this company from from san francisco called TopTal, i started doing more uh work around ui and ux together uh, a few things for like applications uh also around web design and then eventually I transitioned totally to product design. Today in London, I'm um, I'm a product designer. So basically, it's it's hard to 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 define what those term terminologies mean in different places as well. That's another challenge of cross cultural design, in my opinion, because it in is, Brazil, yeah. like <laughs> I don't know, you can tell me in Denmark what product designer means, but uh, in Brazil, basically, it's uh, people are still trying to define. I don't think they quite know it perfectly yet although things are easier to to kind of go cross borders today because it's like internet is uh, much much more accessible than before mm. but here in london basically is uh let's say you you proper ux and ui uh, processes but around products you know not really around marketing and not only around one of the those uh, those fronts like only ux or only ui but it's more like uh, going end to end into uh, the product cycle working very closely most of the times with uh, PMs and uh, developers sometimes, but also working very, very closely to the users, trying to translate all of that to the to the technical team, basically. So uh, that's basically how I see it, like uh, being, uh, a way I see to describe it here uh, in the UK. And um, yeah, today that's what I've been doing here. Part of my intro as well, like, sorry to, to, to start right now, but today I'm a contractor slash freelancer here in the UK. I currently work for this company called Pivotal, Pivotal Labs, which is a, a company from San Francisco as well, but they have uh, offices around Europe. 
And um, yeah, and that basically, I'm a product designer, as I'm saying. And then, yes, uh, but that's uh, answering to your question. I have done kind of very much everything, both to Brazilian clients and to foreign clients as well. So, yeah. It seems like yeah, it seems like you're well versed uh, UX designer who who spans over like from from the start of the beginning to to the end of a process. Um, uh, in my opinion, or from what you're telling me, and uh, what project you've been working on. Um, let me just like um, go back to what you said. You you are a product designer, but do you distinguish between a product designer and a UX designer? Because I have had this conversation before with with another uh, product designer from from San Francisco, and they they distinguish between product uh, or product designer. There is almost the same as a UX designer, but in Denmark it's it's way different. <laughs> so yes, that's a good point. I find that's a uh, one of the differences as well. I guess. Uh, I find in London specifically, when you talk about UX, it's usually leaning towards service design and also around like the very, uh, this layer above everything, you know, almost like touching and crossing paths with service design. So mm. I, and I find like in Brazil, if I talk about UX, it's probably what you say now, you know, probably similar to what a product designer does, you know, does a person that can do everything. So I know there are confusions even here, or even in Brazil, yeah. though those terminologies might mean different things, but I guess like in general, if I if I go to a UX focused role, I can expect it to be very low or almost nothing UI focused here in London. And if I talk about product design, I might expect to be serving both worlds. And sometimes, actually, I don't know about today, but maybe one year ago, if I said, oh, I want to be a product designer, I, f I used to feel a strong focus towards UI as well. So more like towards UI, but knowing about UX. But today I kind of think it's quite well balanced. You know, if you say you're a product designer, you're expected to, to go end to end, you know, like from the beginning of the things to, to, to the actual delivery of the UI. Specifically, oh, okay. yeah, specifically at Pivotal, <clears throat> product designers are very uh, generalist. So they have to do everything and there's a strong focus on pairing as well with the the pms uh so I, i'm very involved into not only into the design itself but running workshops all the time and uh scoping out features writing user stories with the pm so it's very focused on actually they even call product and design meaning the product manager and designer are kind of a subset of the team you know they work very 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 close together uh and that's basically like a, a new definition to me when i joined there and that was quite interesting to see like how that the dynamic works you know especially in agile environments so, yeah yeah okay wow that's that's a whole new like let's say definition i've heard about what a product designer is because yeah um in denmark we i don't know that you can find uh job titles who has like a product designer, but it's more or less a UX designer uh, in Denmark. And the people who are product designers is mostly um, um, towards people who are into more physical product design and who actually like, I don't know, um, have more hands-on 
work with product design, but I think it's shifting a bit more. And I think we are we're grabbing from the terminology that they use in the, the San Francisco Bay Area, where a product designer is also more or less a UX designer. And those terms are used interchangeably. So yeah, <laughs> but, but it's nice to hear just so we have some like ground base to start on and, and we <laughs> can talk from the same level, right? Yeah, definitely. I have just a curiosity for you around as mm -hmm. well a company I worked for because as you mentioned like what type of stuff I did uh, I worked for a few months almost maybe six months I don't remember now for a company in India I worked I was working for them full-time remotely oh. uh, but there I was kind of a creative director slash art director but doing mostly online stuff uh, we did a few things for a few brands because they had a branch in New York like a few fashion brands like uh, Tom Ford, Omega Watches, and a few big brands like that. Oh, and yeah. a funny thing I found with them, and they told me this themselves, that they were hiring most of the people to design, most of the designers from South America back then, so Argentina and Brazil especially, because uh, from their perspective, the Indian uh, designers, they were not really good because they were not raised as designers. You know, it's kind of weird, you know, like they weren't, weren't oh. really raised to be create, cre creative. And that's uh, why the developers uh. were more like the, the development side, the, sorry, the development side was, was quite strong. But as far as design, they they always outsourced because they didn't really trust the, the, the Indian cultural uh, design approach, you know, so. Uh, and I heard this from one of them, you know, from one of the Indian people. So it's not like me having some sort of a, a prejudice or how they do it. Well, it's really weird for me oh. to to hear that. And uh, yeah, that's just a, an interesting thing as well, how different countries might approach design in different ways or not even yeah. like, not even encourage design, you know, from, from a more like a higher level or uh, from a cultural perspective as well. Then I can ask you, how would you say that um, design and creativity is um, like perceived or is it emphasized in, in Brazil? Is it something that it's, is like either taught or like that people can pursue? Yes, I think especially around tech, I think it's a kind of a well, a well perceived uh, profession. But I think in general, uh, Brazil is a as a every it's bad to say that but every third world country has to kind of find creative ways to to get by you know to survive mm. and to go through for several crises that happen along the uh, the years and stuff like that so i find brazil brazilian people they they struggle a lot but they also they they have to find ways to thrive through that you know they have to find yeah. ways to 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 go around and there's even this thing we call this sometimes doesn't really uh, mean a good thing, but they, they call this thing called uh, the Brazilian way. We call it like Jeitinho Brasileiro. It's uh, uh, the Brazilian way of doing things, which is so going around things at which can go for either uh, a good approach or for a bad thing. You know, can, you can do this for like uh, both ends. And but that's uh, something that kind of shows how Brazilian people have to be creative. You know, so. There are several uh, world-renowned art directors and designers from Brazil because of that. Even here in London, I find loads of them uh, every now and then. And it's uh, it's interesting. And I think it's a bit of this thing that I mentioned about being creative, but it's also about like, um, I don't know, but I think uh, Brazilians are so used to work a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So sometimes they are perceived as 
people that do a bit more, not be, but because they are so used to kind of have to work maybe uh, 10 hours, 12 hours sometimes. And then for them, like an extra hour, an extra 30 minutes, it doesn't mean too much. So going this extra mile kind of uh, helps uh, things moving fast and sometimes uh, even creativity boosting faster in a way, you know. That also just leave me, uh, uh, leads me into like the topic of today. Like, would you say that that it is important to to know what the let's say the creativity and design level is in in a in a uh, in a country or culture that you are designing for a client? I think so. I, I guess uh, it's kind of a principle actually of UX, knowing your target and. Uh, knowing about your your public and your users your audience so i think uh, you always need to kind of take in consideration how they will perceive design you know otherwise you're just doing it for yourself basically so mm. sometimes uh, i can't really think of a, a specific example now but uh, if i have to design for a country which is more uh, in general, is more logic focused than others. I we definitely have to take that in consideration. But you can even be more granular and not even consider the country itself, but the client itself. You know, it can be that even in let's say I was saying Brazil is very creative and whatnot, but maybe our client is specifically not that creative. Creative, and then that's what you have to take in consideration. You, know, you don't do the same. You don't have the same approach for an engineer that you would have for like maybe uh, a, a rock band, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a, but I think you can raise this to a higher level, especially when you're talking about like more things, more focused on uh, visual design specifically, for example, meaning of uh, symbology and icons and uh, colors and stuff like that. I think you should definitely take that in consideration when you're working for a country because you might basically do something that doesn't mean anything or means what you don't want to don't want it to mean, you know. And I, I even give a few of those examples of that article you mentioned around because we started with the brand of the app, and uh, we tried a few things around uh, because th this app in particular was a a monitoring app for for actual security, you know, like uh, uh, you are walking on the street and then you you don't feel really safe, you press a button in your app. Oh, uh, and then okay. if you, and then if you release this button, you have a counter, a countdown. So if you don't respond to this countdown, uh, a relative or someone in your contact list will be called saying you might be in danger. That was basically uh, the whole purpose of the app. That was mm -hmm. for a Russian market. And the first thing we started to explore around the branding was uh, stuff related to like uh, security, like but the classic vision of security we have in the whole in whole America, you know, from north to the south, we have this vision of the security guy, uh, a big guy in a suit and sunglasses and this kind of thing. And when we tested this with, with people from Russia, they had a different connotation because of this whole spy culture that they have there. So they had to oh. transition to something else, you know. So that's a small example, but that's something that uh, you have to take in consideration. Then we went to a very more, a very like a, a more neutral approach. So we ended up using this image of a radar, which is, uh, yeah, that kind of something as if you could be being monitored 24-7 and protected by this, this application. And that was uh, the final solution in the end. So yeah, research is always your biggest ally when working for 
for another country anyway. <laughs> but what do you do in those circumstances where maybe uh, time is of the essence and you don't have the time to, to research a culture and <laughs> research like the client's background, where they come from and what they value? Um, is there, a, let's say, a workaround? Is there something you can do to to generate a still a good design or, or or is it do you need the time to to research fairly into into like this country and this this culture yeah it always depends obviously on the budget on the project itself and the resources you have but i would say like regardless of the resources you always need to kind of sell whatever work you're going to sell including some research work you know some it doesn't matter which type of research uh, i obviously the more the best the better and like mm. the, the more like a uh, user focus and user centric the better but we know it's not always possible especially for freelancer like sometimes you have to work around stuff but i guess as long as you do some research having like this this motto as uh no research is worse than little research, you know? So mm. meaning do any research at all, like start from, from somewhere and try, especially if you're working alone, you know, which is uh, hard, but you need to try to evangelize your clients to, to, to move further in that, you know, to kind of buy into this process of validating stuff and trying to f- discover with you, you know? You know, you, uh, I think a lot, a lot of designers try to be geniuses you know they try to, to figure things by themselves instead of doing like uh either basic research or talking to people you know uh today again it's internet it's really easy to to find even if it's not like the ideal and perfect uh user group to do some research you can still find some people you know you can still uh find people even like i don't know facebook groups whatever i, I, I know it's small i know it's not it's far from ideal, but it's something, you know, and something you can mm. start to use to validate your, your assumptions and uh, grow from there, basically, you know. You, um, in the start of your, uh, the article that, yeah, uh, is based on this conversation, uh, you have a, a quote here. I'm just going to read it because I find it very, very um, good. Uh, Most designers assume that designing products for foreign markets only requires a language translation, switching currencies, and potentially updating a few fields. However, cross-cultural design can be much more complex. Can you elaborate on that? What else would there be that you might consider uh, when you're designing for another culture? Yeah, sure. Well, there are some more uh, philosophical sides of this, or there might be some more uh, technical mm-hmm. points. I think as far as more like, uh, let's say, philosophical or more, uh, let's say, cultural aspects, you have to to consider again how the culture works and how uh, how do they value rules laws dogmas how do they how, how do these people see the world basically you know how do other countries see the world and how can you leverage that or what can or should you avoid against that you know so uh, i know this might touch a bit on religion for example because you talk i'm just going to give an example about middle east but you have to consider for example a country in middle east if you're going to work for them they might be really heavy on religion. You have to consider that in a different way. You would consider something uh, towards like a more uh, Western open cultures, you know? So mm. you have to measure how they see the world. Uh, what do they believe in terms of uh, 
freedom, personal achievements, uh, uh, what, how do they see groups and individuals, you know, uh, and basically try to work using those informations to, to influence what your decisions. I know it's kind of abstract, but that's basically like the, the groundwork yeah. to move forward. But then I guess there are other things which are more technical related. For example, when I worked for this Russian client, the first thing I didn't think about because most of the clients I worked before was uh, either English speaking or the work I was doing or for like uh, uh, in English, but this one was in Russian. So first challenge that I got was I don't have a Russian keyboard. How am I going to type all of this, you know? <laughs> so I basically became a slave to copy paste for the entire project because oh. I, I couldn't really uh, type anything uh, and I wouldn't. It wasn't worth like buying a keyboard just for it. Even if I bought, I wouldn't be able to type stuff because Portuguese, for example, has loads of uh, accents on, on mm. each letter and I wouldn't know how to type that. So imagine if you're working like for China, Japan, or anywhere like with different alphabet from yours, that's a big challenge you have to consider and try to think of how you're going to work around that, you know. Uh, you're probably going to depend a lot on the client and stuff like copy paste, for example, and uh, stuff like this. Yeah. But can you like um, copy paste all the way through that project? Because I, I would assume that there would be some some hiccups when you, because there would isn't there like um, let's say uh, there is a word in Russian that is spelled in in a certain way that, that makes it a bit longer so it doesn't fit in a button, uh, but on a on your normal or, or on the, uh, the the characters you are used to, it, it does fit uh, inside of that button. How how can you work around that if if you are like copy pasting? And that, um, is there is there any way to I don't know? <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, solve that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess uh, it's uh, you really have to work close to the people you are working for. No, uh, either. Because I think you uh, no, actually don't think it's actually a fact that content strategy is a big part of UX as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a part you will have to define with either your clients or your users and possibly in this case with the client together with you because they are like the, they have the knowledge domain on, on the, on the language. So uh, I guess for this case specifically, I, we had like initial drafts of the text i kind of had a a rough understanding of what it was because of, of translations uh but then they kind of adjusted the final thing but oh. basically i i didn't have control over like the top quality of the of the text of the content because i, I didn't speak russian back then but no. ideally there, there has to be someone to review this uh and possibly suggest those small tweaks you were talking about because yeah, you're definitely right. Sometimes there might be abbreviations, there might be uh, different words that mean the same thing, and uh, we just don't know, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's yeah. a, one of the important facts that highlights the need for designers not to be like lone, lone wolves or lone geniuses trying to, to like, uh, come after one week sitting in the dark with the magic solution, you know. You have to work side by side with the client during the whole thing. That's basically how UX is done. You're always there with your collaborators, with your users. Even though it can be remote, you still have to kind of create this 
uh, open communication channel to to kind of sort those small challenges. I'm very interested to know um, which of like the clients you have had did you find like um, for lack of better words the most complicated to work with or or the culture the most complicated to design to from uh, from your perspective because uh, it might be different from 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 people who have another um, cultural background. Well, to be honest, I think each of them have has different challenges. For example. Brazilian people can be really challenging in terms of buying the the whole process. You know, they they can be challenging, especially smaller cities. Uh, they can be kind of hard to understand what it means, and even if you try to sell it technically, they might not really trust the process, and because of that, are really uh, wanting to invest into it or even want to kind of kind of skip uh steps uh in the process just because they don't they don't think it's worth it they might take more time doing the, the right way so they might just want to skip it for example also on the for with the indian people i i figured i had to be really meticulous on documenting what i needed uh otherwise i would have loads of rework i i i, I by no means want to gener- generalize this because I, there might be that I had a bad experience, but in general, uh, I had to kind of be really thorough on explaining what I wanted and how I wanted things. Otherwise, when it came back, especially from developers and stuff like that, it was all, there was always something to be redone or something that wasn't really understood. And they assumed uh, they they understood basically instead of asking, oh. "Oh, is this how it should be done?" No, they just went ahead and, and did it one way, which wasn't really right. So you always have to kind of watch for that. Uh, and I guess uh, here in London, uh, the biggest challenge, I think, it's hard to, to, to think because it's kind of mature in terms of UX, but I think clients might be challenging. You know, the, uh, I'm working today for an oil and gas company, which is a huge organization in the world. And, uh, uh, and they, they are the challenges because they are big, but... I don't know if it's but because they, since they are they live in a they they are based in big countries and doing this for so long, they kind of uh, don't really understand. They need to relearn a few practices, you know. So it's kind of hard to to impose or to 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 show that a few practices need to to be in place, although they might seem uh, maybe a waste of time sometimes because it might seem you know my things might take longer and etc so it's kind of hard to to educate but i don't know this might be like a, a more generic thing which might happen in every country but uh, yeah i guess those are a few challenges i guess uh, in the us i don't think i had any big challenges different from london uh yes i guess that's pretty much it to be honest okay how how many um is is all of this from your side, uh, learn by doing uh, when you face the problems or did you have any, I don't know, knowledge of anything else uh, beforehand before you like met some of these challenges or was it, what do I do now? I just need to like play by ear and see how it goes. Well, honestly, in the beginning, it was mostly like that, you know, you mostly face the issue and say, okay, what do I do now? But I guess after some time and maybe after you know those challenges exist, you know, after you acknowledge those challenges are, are there, you might be more careful, you know, and try to kind of 
mitigate those things before they happen, basically. So you're basically saving yourself a time and struggle. So today, if I go, if I have to work for a client, which is uh, very different like this in terms of culture, I would definitely consider uh, doing some ground research on my end, try to understand a bit of those points I mentioned and a few of those points mentioned in my article as well in terms of how they think and how uh, how do they see the world, how do they see design, how how does tech play part in their current culture and stuff like that, you know, and try to work from there. But in general, I will, in the beginning especially, I, wore, I basically learned from when I faced the issue, you know, and yeah, I guess most people will kind of do the same because you don't really think of this uh all the time you know you basically this strikes your head when you when you you're you're there you know when you're you're in the you're in the Mm -hmm. field basically so yeah i think it's a mix of uh after you uh, a mix of like learn by doing and after you know they are might be there you're kind of aware of it and kind of get prepared beforehand basically yeah what 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 would you say that that were some of the like the common problems you faced uh, during uh, the design process if you discard like uh, translating uh, a language or um, as you stated in, in your article switching currencies and all these minor in quotes minor things <laughs> yeah well i guess as far as common design uh, sorry, common issues it's uh, one thing that is common across every every country i believe is the challenge with the process, you know, people will tend to have a, a perception of design, and if you believe your process, you definitely have some some struggles with trying to evangelize, you know, trying to sell it to the to the client. So I guess the process is the main big one always. You have to kind of create this trust, create visibility on what you're doing, so they don't, if especially if they don't they are already kind of suspicious on whether that's going to work or not. You have to kind of be really careful how you manage this. But I guess apart from it, I guess language is the second one uh, because even like uh, day to day, even like I'm I'm kind of almost three years in London now and uh, even like uh, my main language is Portuguese, you know, and even day to day having to speak another language is already a a challenge sometimes and it can be a challenge even bigger if you're talking to people from other cultures and especially designing for other cultures which speak uh, different languages so i guess that's probably the second one and on top of that you have those issues such as i mentioned now like uh alphabets and uh content strategy and then i guess after that starts you start to to face stuff like uh, more around like uh, meaningful meaning of things and uh, how people understand like the semiotics or uh, uh, iconographies or mm. imagery and how how what do things mean? So if if I could put in, a, in some sort of hierarchy, I would definitely rank it by first uh, the process, second language, and third probably the those small items which. We'll probably like go further down but probably uh closer to like the third place basically yeah okay so 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 the first one was 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 the process which is is mainly correct me if i'm wrong like understanding the design process and and how you and your client might go about it right 
Yes, and especially especially talking about product design and user-centered design, we, we have to take the user in consideration and have to take like research and user testing, all of that into into account. So if you believe this process, if it's what you do, even if you're just like, I'm saying just as because it might evolve less, but like just UI designer, a UI designer, you even so you you definitely want to incorporate those things, you know, because you're, you're designing for the user and then clients usually struggle to to understand like the actual value of that sometimes because they actually know a lot of things and they actually do. You have to take that into consideration as well. But uh, the more you can validate stuff, the more you can go for like a, a lean UX or lean uh, uh, lean uh, agile approach or whatever, mm. uh, the more like, the less you suffer basically, you know, like the less money is gonna be spent, but it's hard to see before it happens, you know. It's hard to see like when you're in the early stages of discovery and etc., and then uh, the client might not really buy into that straight away, or even during the, the initial steps, they might just trust the whole thing, and you, you might have to kind of work around that, basically. Okay, yeah. Uh, one thought I've I've had during this conversation is, um, is it worth hiring like? A UX, a UI designer, uh, as yourself from another country and culture to do that type of work that, that you have done. I'm just playing devil's advocate here because wouldn't you say that why didn't the Russian company, uh, the, the Russian company, find a Russian UXer? Wouldn't that have been easier for them? Yeah, that's a great point. There are two factors in my opinion. One, it's a uh, uh, sorry, I might have said two. I don't know if it's only two, but like the okay. two, I, I believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess for one is it's really uh, easy to find people anywhere and hire them anywhere, and it might be really hard to find someone right next to you. So I see this happening in London all the time. Uh, like I see positions like uh, exploding everywhere. You know, mm. myself particularly, I get like recruiters which uh, I have contact with. They email me maybe three, four times a week with wow. the positions, you know, but not because I'm special or anything, but it's probably because there's a high demand for designers and uh, there is not that many people uh, either doing it right or selling the work the right way. So uh, we, uh, me, and I have a partner, and we have a, a startup in Brazil uh, which educate designers. It's called Aella. And basically, one of the things we do is try to give the, these guys uh, the basic knowledge and insert them into the market. And we see, like, from the recruiters that we work alongside, they say 99% of the of the resumes and applications are rejected because people, they, they either don't sell themselves right or they don't know what they're doing. So, like, it's a really high number no really a high percentage of people being rejected so this is probably one of the reasons why people look for resources abroad and uh sometimes even sponsor visas like people tell itself has loads of designers they sponsored and uh people from australia more people from brazil so uh it's not like a trivial process to do that you know it's an expensive process that companies don't really want to go for that and and they uh, they are doing because they don't find people and that's one thing and I guess the other one is uh, 
sometimes uh, people just like your style, though. So that's a good thing for designers as well. If they can, even touching the first point, if they can sell themselves well, if they can kind of have a good portfolio and a good exposure, uh, you might accidentally sometimes get like uh, encountering opportunities, you know, and then those companies, they might just because of they, they solve something in your work, hire you for that, you know, even if they had like other people around them to, to that would be maybe suitable, you know. So despite the challenges exist, I think they are kind of, they are annoying, they exist, they are there, you have to take them in consideration, but they are not that big to the point of people considering not doing it, you know, not, not really going for it. I guess it's a bit of the same as designers wanting, wanting to find work abroad or remotely. It's not a matter of uh, only a, because of money. It's also because they want a different experience. And sometimes other cultures want to bring this experience to to the to their companies as well. No? And there's a last factor I remember now. For some countries, it's worth by, uh, uh, hiring people from other countries because of the currency. So wow. when I was working for a company uh, from the U.S., I was probably cheaper than a, a local a designer, you know. And for my from my perspective, it was great because the currency was like four times my local currency back then because of the oh. crisis we were living. So you see, there's this this a uh, compensation side of things as well, where it's worth for me being paid less than a local if I'm remote, and at the same time, it's uh, worth for this company hiring you. Just it, this is different if you're living in a place. I can live in London. I I definitely earn as a local, but if you're working remotely, that's definitely something to to take in, in consideration, you know. And companies do that. Yeah, that was my follow-up question. It, uh, if uh, like yeah, in 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 your experience, that that the clients you work with are more focused on on price or or quality, but but I sense it's it's somewhere a mix or uh, depending on on where you're located as a as a freelance designer. Yes, definitely. I think it's a mix of your maturity as a designer probably and your location or for example even me as a brazilian if i was hired by a, a remote company but living in london i think they would not expect me to be charging as a brazilian or i think that that has a a very big part into what they expect of your price you know so a company hiring you from if you're living in brazil or maybe in other countries where in, in their in the original like the client currency they know you would need less of their money they would definitely offer you less but and then it's a matter of you your strategy you know does it is it worth it does it work for you or not and then if it does why not you know uh, that's uh, that's my opinion to be honest mm. oh, okay um just here one of the last points i want to touch on is uh, i want to hear um your how you perceive like a European design compared to um, South American um, design is uh, was it easy for you to adapt when you moved to London? Yeah, well, actually, I think like in terms of delivery, I think Brazilian design is uh, not really on product side of things because this is more uh, consistent. But I guess like if you think about graphic design or advertising. I find Brazil more slightly more aggressive sometimes, so they have to be more creative because they the advertising industry is a bit more aggressive uh, on itself by nature. So that I think it differs a bit. But I think as far as adapting your 
even when you, you're talking about UX and UI, London specifically, I find very mature at that, at that point. So it's not, really, it's not that it's hard to adapt uh, because it's uh, a different country, but just because it's more mature. And I think if I fell in maybe San Francisco or any other like big centers or big technology centers, that, that, that would be the same. You know, you have to kind of understand the product design doesn't mean you're just changing your title and LinkedIn, you know, that that's yeah. not what it is. You know, you have to really understand those processes I was telling you about, like uh, understand proper user-centered design and stuff like that. Although loads of people do it wrong even here, but uh, <laughs> there is some some expectations from bigger companies. You know, if you want like to go for the for the big heads and for like companies that are known around the world, similar to like if you want to go to companies such as Facebooks of, of the world, you know, or anything like that, or even mm. big companies like people tell as well, you have to, you really have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, uh, I don't think you, they, they will kind of simply tell you, okay, you, you don't have what it takes and, and then it's up to you to go after this. So as far as adapting, it's probably more about like learning proper, the proper process, I believe. And, that's pretty much it, but not really on the cultural side. The, the cultural side of things is a challenge, I guess, for anyone moving abroad. You know, there's always a small shock, a small uh, mm. differences you have to deal with that can range from the food you eat to the to how people see the world. Basically, you know, can be anything. But then that's that's maybe that definitely influences your work, but not directly, I guess. Like in terms of the, those challenges will vary, but the the work. In terms of how how you do it, we kind of be the same in okay. all tech centers, you know. There, there isn't like any any small design norms or or paradigms you you will come across that are different from Brazilian design culture to European or 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 British culture design. Yes, I think to, today they are kind of getting closer. But when I left, I think uh, São Paulo was starting to get more mature into how they do UX. So mm. I think like some companies obviously understood this, but not loads of companies understood in Brazil the actual values of uh, user-centered design, you know, or they, they kind of basically thought product design is a same as your web design for for, uh, for applications, basically. <laughs> but today I think things are more mature in that, in that sense. But I guess that, that was like the first First thing, even when I started working remotely, um, I didn't really understand this 100%. I believe I think like it's really easy to to think you just kind of make things look nice, and it's uh, that's very much it. You know, you don't have to really uh, go through those those proper processes. So I guess specifically London, because of how they see UX uh, close to service design, I think that was a very good addition to my. To my knowledge, you know, having to kind of think about that, having to think about uh, all those actors and touch points and etc., and uh, not only the UX on a high level and a very uh, uh, small and shrunk approach, you know, having to think of this as the whole thing. I think that was one of the paradigms I had to break, and was really good for me. But I guess like all countries, like big countries at least, are kind of catching up to that you know because things are moving faster than 10 years ago obviously so okay cool um just here on 
Um, on the last thing I want to touch upon is more like a, let's say, a future prediction or or a dream scenario. Um, if you could like, let's say, design your own, the perfect design process uh, when you are like dealing with a client from a different culture, what, what would that look like to you? Yeah, that's a good thing. I guess it depends whether I'm there or not. But I think ideally today, I think I would have to be there, at least for the project. I think uh, after, especially after working for Pivotal here, uh, I think it's kind of makes a big difference working in person than remotely. I, although I defend remote work, especially uh, because like it can be done. But for me particularly, I think uh, being there, being seeing things with my own eyes and, and being able to kind of seeing the pain points from a very close distance. I think that's that makes a huge difference. So I guess that would be the first thing, but in terms of the whole process, you know, being able to be present and and then like being able to, to do what I've been doing today. I think today, I know there's loads of uh, improvements I need to make, obviously, as everyone, but I believe I'm kind of... Uh, every day more on the right path in terms of having to raise proper assumptions, validate them in a very lean way, very uh, trying to figure out uh, which are the very thin slices of the product we're going to develop and going from there, you know, not trying to to eat the whole cow at once, you know, we have to, to <laughs> chop it off before <laughs> and maybe after you eat uh, a small piece, you will figure, okay, I, I shouldn't be eating it, this, it like this, you know, I should I have to change how I'm going to eat this or how, how I'm going to approach cooking this. So going for these thin slices and uh, going for this uh, very lean approach, I think it makes a big difference and helps you to to kind of make less mistakes, basically, because that's what we do, right? We fail uh, and we learn from failure. But uh, if you can fail fast, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So, so the last question here I want to ask you is what advice would you give to someone who is doing that type of work uh, cross-cultural design um, with your um, experience now yeah I believe uh, main thing is be very user focused uh, remember you can uh, like do the nicest thing the most beautiful looking thing in the world if it doesn't talk the message if it doesn't transmit the message to the other side it doesn't mean anything you know so it's really common seeing like those chinese websites and say oh my god this looks so ugly it's so messy you know <laughs> but it but it speaks the message to their hearts you know that's what that's what uh, you have to take in consideration so i guess my main tip would be like with everything uh be user centered user first and uh take your challenges from there, you know, basically. Uh, try to raise your challenges from the user perspective, not yours, basically. Great. Thank you so much, John, for for joining me here on the podcast for for this super interesting talk about cross-cultural design. Um, I will link your article in the show notes, so if people are interested, they can read it. But uh, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Bye.